good offensively. They're good defensively. That defensive front, you're, you're going to find uh, they're one of the better ones in the National Football League. Their head coach is a defensive mastermind. He's a sharp dude and, um, and presents you different pitchers uh, every week. He designs them for you and uh, for your team specifically on formations and tendencies that you might have. And then offensively, um, you know, you start with 22, and <clears throat> he, he's, a, he's a good football player. So a future Hall of Famer and um, um, just a heck of a player. And the special teams-wise, I think they're ranked in the top 10 in special teams. So mm-hmm. that uh, all in all, it's a good football team. But we look forward to that challenge. That's why we do this. And it's an opportunity to go against a good, a good team. Um, it's important, though, that we uh, – have a good week of practice and started today. So with that time first. Remember the Titans? Forget about the Titans. I guess it kind of depends on your perspective this week, as the Kansas City Chiefs have a primetime matchup against another division leader, in fact, the two-seed in the AFC as things currently stand, and they've been favored by double digits all week long. One of the strangest general surrounding circumstances to a big game in the standings that I can remember for the Chiefs as it has some of the feel of a pushover game in the AFC South. Well, we know how those have gone so far for the Chiefs this year, so if that's anything to learn from, buckle up through the weekend, my friends. We'll get you ready for it here on this edition of Times Ours right here on The Athletic. I am Joshua Briscoe alongside Nate Taylor and Seth Kaiser. My friends, How are we feeling about Titans week right now? I don't know who their quarterback is. I don't really know who just about any of their receivers are. I know who the running back is, and I think I know who the Chiefs are at this point, but I've said that before leading into AFC South Chiefs games and been very, very wrong by the end of it. All I'll say, Josh, is that um, Seth sent us a really wonderful email that... Mm -hmm basically kind of did our jobs for us (laughs) which i'm all for if you want to continue to do this ben yeah if you're gonna email us do it do our job for us that's that's a great way to get your head yeah uh ben thank you sir uh this is from ben williams uh who sent this to seth and then seth uh wisely passed it along i'm going to read it word for word ladies and gentlemen so that This absolves any wrongdoing (laughs) from this moment forward. All right? Ben writes, Dear Seth, or or, hey, Seth. It's not a strong start, Nate. Word for word. Word Verbatim is important here. Word for word. In today's culture. I I always like dear for some reason when you say it versus like writing it. But anyway. Oh, for sure. But anyway. Hey, Seth. I don't have Twitter, so I can't contact Josh or Nate. By the Good way, we'll, we'll we'll get we'll get you we'll get you straight in. Good job staying off Twitter, though. That's a huge. Yeah, that's I mean, like huge. I bet you were I mean, so you much more mentally it, healthy I mean, than the rest of us. What's oh. it like to just not have that app on your phone? Like I bet I would feel a hundred pounds lighter. <laughs> I just deleted it. A hundred pounds lighter. <laughs> I I I stayed off Twitter for most of one Sunday during a cheese game because my my uh, lag on Hulu was so far behind everyone. I have not enjoyed a Chiefs game that much in years. <laughs> Twitter, I mean, and not just Twitter. I mean, this is all social media. It is a destroyer of joy. So you know, let's not we're not we're not ignoring you, Facebook and TikTok and ev- Instagram and everything Instagram. else. Yeah. Anyway, um, anyway, please go ahead. Good day yes. Uh comma. But I wanted to remind you all of something for the podcast this week. I get the feeling that we might be overlooking the Titans for this game. But we should remember that Andy Reid is 2-9, and nine, which is correct, all time against the Titans. By the way, 24 season as a head coach. Uh, additionally, some of the weirdest games in recent memory have come against the Titans. One, the quote, forward progress slash Marcus Mariota pass to himself game. Still mad. He <laughs> goes in all caps. Still mad about that. Fumble. <laughs> Me too, Ben. DJ Number two. Better. Patrick Mahomes' worst game of all time. And it's not even close. Number three. 
Mahomes Mahomes passing for 446 yards. I'll add my own little fact here. Coming off a dislocated kneecap and three touchdowns, yet still losing on a blocked field goal. Uh, Probably the most angry all three of us have been on an actual podcast if you ever go back and listen to that, that game in 2019 or our, I guess, recap of it. Number four. Ryan Suckup's revenge game, <laughs> just, just, which is just tasteful. I mean, just, just rich, exquisite. Honestly, Ben, um, where he says when Andy Reid called a timeout to freeze Suckup, but he missed the first field goal, then made the second to win the game. He then ends with a perfect dismount. The only positive result was the AFC Championship game. Don't overlook the titans thanks benjamin williams that is uh i have no notes <laughs> yeah exactly I mean, is, and now like, now i'm now i'm absolved of all wrongdoing even though i think the tennessee titans are the most boring team in the entire nfl they're boringly good and well So boringly good. Oh. And they just somehow drag everyone down to their level. And they did it to the point of winning the AFC last year. They were the one seed and literally everyone knew that they were they were not going to go to the Super Bowl. Everyone knew it. But they, they were a higher seed last year than the Chiefs or yes. the Bills or the yes. Ravens or the Bengals. Yep. Anyone. Yep. Yep. And... and it's hey, can infuriating. We, can we just give them the AFC South division right now? I don't need to see any more Colts, Jags, or Texans games. <sighs> yeah. I I think that's a killer email. I, I don't I have a little something of my own to add, but I'm curious if Josh, do you have anything you could add to that email? Because it's that is like a 30-minute radio segment condensed into a really nice, really polite email. Yeah. It it absolutely is. And here is the one thing I would add. You guys remember way back around those games, back to the AFC Championship game, doing this show. I remember when these these fingers of mine still typed on theathletic.com. Oh yeah, those were the days. Those those really were some some incredible incredible moments in our lives. And I remember pretty distinctly writing, speaking about one fundamental truth: Derrick Henry is not going to beat Patrick Mahomes. It's impossible. They do different jobs. That's not how this works. And I just cracked open the uh, the old Tennessee Titans 2022 uh, stat sheets because I wanted to I wanted to see something. I think Robert Woods is a fine little player. 256 receiving yards, leading the team. Oh yeah, they don't have AJ Brown anymore. They got a couple of running backs. Uh, Dontrell Hillard, he's actually uh, he's, pretty he's good. actually second yeah. in receiving, believe it or not. And then he's of course Derrick Henry. Uh, Nick Westbrook Akine, I remember him from sort of the pre-draft process. He's got uh, a little over 100 yards on the season. Uh, Traylon Burks obviously has been hurt quite a bit. He got up over 100 yards. Austin Hooper's there. That's interesting. But yeah, I'm just, there was one other guy that used to be on these lists that I think I saw wearing green. I don't know. Maybe my TV was funky, but I'm pretty sure he doesn't play for this football team anymore. And he is Listen to me closely. He was the most dangerous and most unstoppable and most important player on their offense when those oh, yeah. teams were beating the Chiefs. Yeah, I don't know was... why they didn't want to pay him. I don't know why they hate Ryan Tannehill. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, I do, but not for that, not in this realm. <laughs> And I really do believe in in all of my running backs are mostly kind of the same types of guys lifestyle that I've been living. Derrick Henry's different. Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry moves the needle and that's real. Yeah, but he's not moving the needle above the Kansas City Chiefs. He is raising your he is raising your floor. He would be a tremendous weapon to have in a functional grown up offense run by adults. But that's not what the Tennessee Titans have been running. That blame me when the Chiefs lose this game. I accepted the blame like yeah, Andy Reid post game for the Colts. God have mercy, man. Put it on me if you want. But unless Robert Woods goes for two fifty, I really think that this is 
just not the same offense that has rightfully scarred you in the past. On, Patrick, on, go, 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 you, you go ahead. On go draft ahead. night, just just by the way, because I think this was this was draft night. On draft night, the biggest conversations that I had had were basically like, "What the hell are the Titans doing?" <laughs> Because, you know, it's one thing for Hollywood Brown to just show up on draft night in Arizona. What? By the way, I don't think people remember that. I do. Yeah. It was another thing to be like, what am, what am I missing? <laughs> Man. But they just didn't want to pay him. Didn't yeah. want to pay him. Just, just didn't want to do it. Um, and they're still leading their division. That's how bad their division is. Oh, so I'll go a different route. There's something worth noting. So I'll talk about AJ Brown for just a second because I'm sorry. Are- I had to check on this again. Do you guys remember? Um, I really like want to let you cook here, Seth, because you're about to start with Patrick Mahomes. I just had to check because I thought I got this. I thought I was remembering this wrong. They traded AJ Brown for the 18th overall pick and the 101st overall pick. Yeah. That's not enough. <laughs> no, they could have the Chiefs in theory could have like traded Tyree Kill for AJ Brown in like a second round pick. I will <laughs> never not be jealous of the team that has AJ Brown. I love AJ Brown. Nah, he's a stud. That is a crazy boy crazy. they did a crazy thing. Okay, crazy. Seth Cook. So just something worth noting for people last year's game, um, which people should not remember that was as thorough a beating as the chiefs have taken in the Andy Reid era. And we've had a few of those, like remember the Steelers debacle during the Alex Smith era. Like you'd get like one of those a year where it was like, what is going on? Patrick Mahomes, um, Patrick Mahomes on, on uh, Wednesday said, we got our ass beat. I've never heard Patrick Mahomes at a podium say we got our ass beat. It was it was, bad. It, was the, it was the hardest PG-13 I think he's delivered in a while. <laughs> His QBR from that game, which remembers on a scale of 1 to 100, was 9.9. <laughs> I mean, there's just nothing like it. And here's the interesting thing. <laughs> the, by the time they got to the end of the first half, it was 27-0. Oh. <sighs> The drives, the way the drives went down, because there's a couple things I want to cover here, and I'm going to circle back to A.J. Brown, and then I'll move on. This is how the game went. Tennessee touchdown, Chiefs punt. Tennessee touchdown, Chiefs punt. Tennessee field goal, Chiefs interception. Tennessee touchdown, Chiefs fumble, Tennessee field goal, end of half. Good God. (laughs) That That game was... And then, so then the Chiefs opened the second half with a field goal. They got a pick. It's like, maybe. And then they they missed a field goal. They couldn't. I mean, they just, the offense stunk that day. It stunk out loud. It was so bad. It was literally the worst Patrick Mahomes has ever played. But Seth, what about this, this the AFC championship against the Bengals? Against the Bengals, he played very poorly in the second half. He was on fire in the first half, and he was worse in the Titans game than he was in the second half of the Bengals game. He was not good in the second half of that Bengals game. It was, and it was, it was coast to coast. Like people were blaming the offensive line afterwards. We're just like, oh, you can't protect Mahomes. And then I went back and watched, and I was like, I charted like eight happy feet snaps. I was like, you know, the line actually wasn't that bad. Like, I was like, I was nervous writing about Mahomes that week. I was like, look, guys, I, I uh, boy, are we wrong. But there's something worth noting here. In receiving yards last year, the Tennessee Titans had a total of 275 receiving yards. A.J. Brown had 133 of them. <laughs> the next highest guy was Julio Jones with 38. And and Derrick Henry was averaging a flat three yards per carry by the end of that game. Yeah, it, it just so much went wrong that game. It was like similar to the Colts game earlier this year, except the Titans are they're they're a competent football team. So if you want to know what would have happened against the Colts had the Chiefs played like that against a competent NFL team, it would have been like this twenty seven three. Um, but there there's just. The, the Titans are a well-coached team. They're boringly good. They don't generally make a lot of stupid mistakes. 
And here's the thing, for as much as I want to dunk on them right now, for, you know, so they've won five in a row. However, it's Raiders, Colts, Commanders, Colts, Texans. The, th- the problem is the Colts beat the Chiefs. And so I can't like really yeah. dive in on how unimpressive that is. But I mean, all these games, they beat the Raiders by two. You know, it happens. They beat the Colts by touchdown, beat the Commanders by four, beat the Colts by technically two scores, 19 to 10. And did you watch the Titans-Texans game? Oh, no, I'm, <sighs> I'm self-loathing, but not this, like that. You talking about this Sunday, this past Sunday? Yeah. Look, man. I'm a red zone baby. I don't. I did, so I didn't. It oh, very rarely oh, appeared oh, on, oh, oh, oh. on my screen. I mean, you know, there's this thing called con- condensed on NFL Plus yes, over the, the, the cocaine ritual that is NFL Red Zone. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't believe. It, it was almost interesting to me, like, because I did check on YouTube TV that Titans, Texans, even though they were the next opponent for the Chiefs, were not the local. Um, option available to you we got to watch aj brown in the philadelphia eagles just stomp on the star on the steelers so yes i have watched it um seth can you describe the houston texans offense on third down um i can't but mm. i can tell you the mm. following that game we actually saw quite the revival at my church as people everywhere realized that hell is in fact real. And that's the only game on in it. Yeah, that is the only game that is on. <laughs> you just ran out of your beverage and you just finished a snack that wasn't even tasty, but it made you thirsty. Mm. <laughs> and that is, that it is. And so, I mean, you know, while I appreciate that, any opportunity to win souls, <coughs> but uh, that so that's hell, that's the title. Hell of is one forty five in the AFC South, mm. <laughs> and so I, I, I mean, it just it it was an ugly, ugly, ugly game. But the thing is, the Titans have had a tendency to drag the Chiefs into these ugly games because last year I didn't really see this coming. the The Titans game was kind of the beginning of. Because they'd had some some other stuff occur. But th- that was kind of the beginning of the, like, holy crap, the Chiefs are completely screwed type conversation. Like, I mean, I remember writing about that game, like, they need answers, like, now. Or they're in serious trouble. Um, and, and, I mean, I that's why I, I they'll just never not freak me out, as was so ably demonstrated by Ben that they are just a scary team for the Chiefs. Because I'm remembering now they'd gotten shellacked by the Bills. Um, They'd kind of been up and down on offense. But it really was against Tennessee and New York. Those were the two games where it was like, wow, what they've been doing on offense isn't working anymore. And they need to adapt to all these shells and the fact that nobody's blitzing Mahomes anymore. And, and so that was kind of that 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 Titans game. It was kind of a, a crucial moment in the yeah. 2021 season. Yeah, it was. And when Andy talks about it later in the year, I think that was the game he was pointing to that revealed to not only the coaching staff, but the analytics department that, yes, this is the first true time Patrick Mahomes is in a slump because of the things you referenced, Seth, the idea that, you know, there were throws to be made, um, there were check downs to be had um, and you know, for whatever reason, it, it just, you know, he had a really bad game. Um, he, he he is humid, you know, but that is the that was the start, I think, from. And I should uh, probably acknowledge this person, but I think Mike Frazier, the pretty much the head of the Chiefs analytics department, basically signified that, like, yeah, that that is the game where, where they had to acknowledge that, like, yes, he's in a full on slump. Uh, let me let me give you one stat and then one thing that I I think we've we've mentioned around the Titans that I do think is interesting in light of what the Chiefs can do and then I I want to uh, I want to dig in on a couple specifics we heard from a lot of a lot of guys so far these last couple of days at Chiefs pressers Nate uh, or Seth has a couple of new uh, pieces up in the newsletter both Kadarius Tony and kind of going back to the running game with Pacheco that we'll we'll be able to apply very closely to, to Chiefs Titans but uh, one is the stat that I saw earlier this week. Um, AJ Brown this year has uh, 659 yards receiving and Titans wide receivers this year have 658. Oh mm. no. Mm. And I just, 
Mm. I just think they're going to miss that man. But the other thing to to where I will go down the path of, yeah, okay, fine. Here's a real football game. What way this could happen? Uh, you guys have both kind of at least mentioned coaching. I do think there's something to, hey, let's just go play a real boring game of low risk, low reward football, and maybe the Chiefs will get in their own way. That that's effectively what Indy was was doing to some extent. It wasn't terribly efficient, <laughs> but like the Chiefs got in their own way constantly, so it worked out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they'll do that. They'll do that to you. Play play a boring game, score your sixteen points, and maybe the Chiefs will give you some freebies. I I do think that the Titans being good at specifically that probably holds pretty true throughout their whole year. I think you called them boringly good in a text earlier this week, Nate. Yep. That that makes sense. If there, if you can be well coached, minimize your mistakes, and be boringly good, you can cause a problem to a team that can be fascinatingly bad. Which mm-hmm. is, I guess, that's that might be the Chiefs versus the uh, versus the AFC South. But uh, lots of different directions we can go in terms of some of the matchups and the news and whatnot. Um, right now, we don't know if Ryan Tannehill is going to play in this game. He was no but nowhere to be found reportedly at practice uh, on Thursday. The Chiefs are pretty healthy, other than Jody Fortson. Um, being banged up, but he hasn't practiced this week or was limited, I believe, uh, on Wednesday and didn't practice today, I think. Um, and uh, Lucas Niang has returned to practice. He yeah. is uh, still on IR, but his his 21-day window has opened up. And we haven't mentioned it, corner Trent McDuffie, active, active, and Rashad Fitton got traded right after the deadline. I mean, that's when we found out about it, at least, for a conditional seventh-round pick to the Falcons. Uh, let's spend a second on that, Nate. Th- that was widely regarded as a salary cap move. The Chiefs saved about $1.5 million against the cap. The Falcons have had some cornerback injuries, so they get a player who can who can help. I don't know what the conditions are for that seventh-round pick, but um, I was surprised by that, frankly. I don't know if you if you guys were. Yeah, I, I put it on Twitter. Like, you know, uh, every beat writer for The Athletic was asked, hey, if your team traded away a veteran, who would it be? Um and I had reached, you know, obviously you have some discussions, but like I had reached a logical conclusion that that player probably um, would have been Rashad Fitton, and that proved to be the case. Um, it's interesting because Atlanta does have some injuries at that position, um, and we think Rashad Fitton will be back. If not, you know, he obviously is under a new scheme now with a new team. Like I'm not sure what his availability will be, but he'll he should he should come back from his hamstring injury fairly soon. Um, but yeah, this is, to me, this signifies that the Chiefs feel they got it right with the draft class of Trent McDuffie, Joshua Williams, and Jalen Watson. And I've come to the understanding that what Jalen Watson has done over the last four or five weeks, even with Rashad Fitton's struggles and the hamstring injury, like that sort of allowed this move to be made. Uh, because with Trip McDuffie coming back from his own hamstring injury and being the top pick in this year's draft class, they feel they have four legitimate cornerback options. They got three safeties. Um, so that's who you're going to go into for most of the season. Um, if you need Chris Lamonts, he's there. You know, he played a few defensive snaps against the San Francisco 49ers. But uh this allows them to to just put a lot of attention, get a lot of reps, get a lot of experience as fast as possible for McDuffie, Watson, and Williams. Um, and for Fenton being in the final year of his rookie contract in a contract year, it hasn't gone well. Uh, the Chiefs probably determined that they weren't going to resign him. Um, and so now he gets uh, a, you know, relatively a fresh start with a new team to to see if he can put, you know, better production on the field with the Falcons so that he can, you know, uh, be a suitable option for a team in free agency. But the pick really doesn't matter. You said it, Josh. It might be a seventh-round pick. Like, you know, we'll obviously find out after the season. But it does give them a little bit more cap space. It's like $1.5 million. Uh, They have $5 million to use between now and the end of the regular season, in essence. And as I've reported before, like Odell Beckham Jr. is still a possibility if they want to go that route. But um, it's a salary move. It, you know, it's getting Fenton playing time when it was looking like there was going to be less playing time for him in Kansas City. And now it means that how good can these rookie cornerbacks be from the first meeting against the Buffalo Bills to what we all assume will be the rematch 
in January, whether that's the AFC Championship game or a repeat of last year's postseason where they're playing the Bills, perhaps this time in Buffalo, in the divisional round. Feels like a lot of faith in those young guys, Seth. Is that a, a good call? I also realize I might be a little more bullish on Rashad Fenton not fully forgetting how to play football through the first half of this year, despite him having his issues. What do you what do you make of how he was playing compared to his previous years and, and what the Chiefs have signed up for here with all the young guys? He definitely wasn't playing as well as he has previous years. He's never been a star, but he's generally been been competent, like not the kind of guy that really gets picked on. Right. I mean, yeah. now he's not a guy teams would avoid either, but he was competent and he was generally good. At, he's good in zone coverage. He's comfortable passing off receivers and staying with his assignment. Um, I don't know what was different this year, um, but and maybe it was just because of the injuries. He ended up in a position to where he kind of got located as kind of the the easy target. I don't know, but um, it, it wasn't up to his usual standard. That said, it's weird to me to trade him for that value. I feel like he has more value as a as as even if he's your fourth corner. Um, I feel like he's got more value than that conditional seventh rounder. And maybe, I mean, I suppose, so let's say, okay, let's say, let's say both Williams and Watson have leapfrogged him, right? Mm -hmm. You're still in a position where it's like, man, but like, what if someone gets hurt? Mm -hmm. And what if the rookies, his name is Chris Lamont. Right. And that's, I get that. That's the idea. But it's still weird to me, and frankly, I have a hard time, and I mean, you know, Nate, you can tell me if I'm just completely wrong here. I have a hard time believing that that as he started to get leapfrogged, this wasn't like a, hey, could you all just trade me? No, I think, I, I think <coughs> um, I think the Chiefs probably did the Falcons a favor, and the Falcons did the chiefs a favor because Mm. now we get to really evaluate and, you know, keep the trajectory going of just, Hey, we've invested in these rookie corners. They all appear capable of, of being contributors. Let's maximize them at the front end of their rookie, you know, wage scale contracts versus someone coming off of their rookie contract. Uh, following this season, even though he is the most experienced cornerback that you have on the team, he's played in in Super Bowls. Um, they want to. They just like the Falcons kind of helped them um, jumpstart the 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 development of this new class. It's it's a you know we might talk about this later in the year, and I won't be surprised if we do. But it is a fascinating move because you're thinking about more of the future versus this season. And a lot of their moves this season have been about, can we do it for this season and 2023 and, and 2024, which kind of goes into the Kadarius Tony discussion. Well, he could be helpful this year, but can he be something in 2023 or something 2024? Um, you know, it's, it's a case where the coaching staff really likes what they have. Um, and you're making a small gamble that it's not going to come back to bite you in January. I just don't, it just feels like, I don't know if that's a necessary gamble, but, but it, it, I guess right. it is. I don't know. Right. Cause, and for me, the reason I feel, and again, maybe it's, maybe this isn't what happened. The reason I feel like there might've been a request in here somewhere is because the chiefs could just say, yep, we're going to let the young guys play. And, They're doing and, that with Ronald Jones. Ronald yeah, Jones is that so, guy right now. So Ronald hey, Jones wants out. Yep. Hey, so hey, Rashad, thanks for everything you've done. And we're going to keep you around in case someone gets hurt because you can never have too many corners. But we're going to give the young guys a shot. I, I just, it, it feels hard to believe that someone who hasn't previously voiced a little bit of dissatisfaction with not being the full-time guy, because he has on social media here and there. Uh, I mean, and, and that's just, and that's fine. That's what competitors do. They want to play. It, to me, it just doesn't make sense to to clear him out because you could do all those same things without cutting him. Or not cutting him, but without trading him. You could just play other players over him. That said, you do have to think about locker room dynamic. And that's like the human element of this. It matters as much as people don't think it should. Anyone who's ever worked in an office or 
a Walmart or a fast food joint or literally anywhere that you work with people, the people dynamics matter. And the NFL is a business. And while it's a sport and there's a ton of things unique about it, they are still coworkers and office dynamics still matter. Here's yep. my one last thing on that real quick on the secondary. And and, oh. and, and Seth, are you are you going to pay Rashad Fenton or are you going to pay Legereus Need? Who are you retaining? Oh, absolutely. But you you're not paying him now. So you True. can just you can True. just you can keep your cornerback depth because I mean conditional seventh rounder, unless like one of those conditions is it turns into a fifth. I don't care about it. Um, but it, like to me, it just felt like one of those like they felt like they needed to trade him or to do something because they could have just done nothing. Uh, uh, here, Nate's making yeah. noises again. Yeah, uh, yeah. When I here's the difference. When I wrote a couple of weeks ago that Rashad Fitton could be traded or that he would be the most likely candidate um, because he was playing and Ronald Jones wasn't. What I didn't anticipate at the time was like the salary cap implications. And, oh, sure. You know that 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 was another, I think, motivating factor in this. If he's not gonna, you know, <clears throat> sometimes you can go to ownership or the coach and say, "Are you sure he's gonna play?" Well, if you're not sure because you want to invest in younger players who have honestly played better at times than than the veteran, and we're probably not gonna resign him. If we're not playing him for his salary, you could free that space up for someone mm-hmm. who might join the team and you might want to play that player for that level of salary cap space. Or, and this is one of those minor accounting tricks, you could just, you can create that money, save it, roll it into 2023. Yep. And for what it's worth, I'm sitting here looking at over the cap right now. And 2022, by any stretch that you're looking at, is by far the most cap squeezed the Chiefs, in theory, Mm -hmm. are going to be. Yep. They're really trying to set themselves up with a very clean slate in 23 and 24. Yes. You made a noise, Nate. I heard that. (laughs) We can move on, Seth. (laughs) Okay, let's, let's move on. I think, in my personal opinion, that has nothing to do with knowing anyone... I personally think it's fascinating that the Chiefs, if I just click a couple buttons here on overthecap.com's calculator, I have clicked two buttons. Now I've clicked a third button, you know, just uh, doing the Patrick Mahomes restructure thing this year since we didn't do it in 2022. I've now clicked three buttons and the Chiefs have $83 million in cap space. And that's without extending Chris Jones. That's while paying Chris Jones a cap hit of $27 million. Which will probably not happen. Yeah, that's, oh, oh man, oh, if they trade him. You know, I'm not going to talk about it yet. We'll deal with that another another day. Here's here's my, uh, my, last, my last jab at my vague remaining concerns in the secondary, other than the fact that Trent McDuffie, who I'm like very excited about, he's played, what, 20 minutes of football, 30 um, at the NFL level. But that makes me, a little nervous. I'd, I'd feel, I know that the deadline was when the deadline was, I'd feel a little better if Trip McDuffie was a few games in as a starter. Yeah. Um, but you know, uh-huh. that, you can't really think about that. Here's, but here's he, just, he's, he's a first round pick Josh. And so yeah, he's, no, he's I'm going to play. You know? I'm aware. I, and I'm hoping that I'm hoping that he'll play well. And I'm imagining he, he most likely will. Cause the chiefs have turned these defensive backs around better and more efficiently than any other position on the roster. It is right now. The defensive backfield, I think is the best value the chiefs have anywhere from a team building standpoint, but that also correlates with the fact that of their 10 currently active rostered defensive backs, five of them are rookies. There are five, half of their defensive backfield, not on a rookie contract are rookies. That is crazy. But also, that is a position group where from Rashad Fenton and Legereus Sneed on up, the Chiefs have gotten great production out of those mid and late round draft picks who have kind of fit the mold. So I, I understand what they're doing. I'm, I'm actually fascinated by it from a value and, and team building mm-hmm. standpoint. Um, I, I just want to put a little spotlight on the fact that half of their players on the roster in the defensive backfield are in their first year of NFL action. Most of them haven't been starting. Uh, it's just a, uh, 
it's a it's a genuinely fascinating group. If they hit it, if they nail that, they have a cheat code for the next four or five years at, yeah. at DB. I mean, a total, complete market anomaly. No one else is going to have that value in the secondary, even if they pay Juan Thornhill and keep him around, which I would lean towards doing. Um, even if they pay Thornhill and Justin Reed, the rest of the, the corners and the backups uh, amongst the rest of the backfield, Brian Cook and whatnot, a heck of a group. It's just very young, which the Chiefs seem okay with. Crazy. It really is. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Uh, let's, uh, let's talk about the new guy a little more. We, we had our sort of breaking episode uh, shortly after the trade when the Chiefs acquired Kadarius Tony. Um, Seth, you have a, a more in-depth film review on Tony that I want to get to. And Nate, you've been in the room when Tony talked, when Mahomes talked about him, when EB talked about him, when, uh, today Joe Blameyer, <laughs> wide receivers coach, talked about him. Um, Eric Bieniemy had a lot to say, and by a lot to say, I mean said the same thing lots of times. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he was, Bieniemy and Spagnolo in, in different ways were on their A game today. Uh, but but tell me what you've learned about what he's going to bring uh, short term, long term. And if he's going to be out there this week, what what have you picked up from from and around the guys uh, around Kadarius, Tony? I think he will be out there. Um, that's about all I can say. I, you know, Dave Tobe and, and tell me if I'm right, Josh. Basically, I think the underlining of what Dave Tobe was trying to say is, look, I, I know people are like, Skies muffed two punts, and this guy was really good in college as a punt returner. Uh, can I just if he can if he just does well in practice today, he might be the punt returner. <laughs> That's pretty he, much. He made it sound like that Andy Reid might have a game time decision on him, just like dressing or not, which right. is kind of interesting and makes sense in his second practice before yeah. his second practice. So when you when you when you consider that if he stays healthy, which has been the case so far through two practices, um. I think they're going to want to have him active in a uniform and get him, you know, some limited snaps. Um, you know, Andy Reid basically said on Wednesday, we have plays already for him, which is interesting, um, along with him catching passes from Mahomes prior to Wednesday's full team practice coming off the bye week. So um, I'm really interested to see, you know, how they utilize him. You know, you could say, hey, as a slot guy, as a gadget guy, as, hey, all you're doing is basically running, you know, deep routes uh, to maybe open somebody up over, underneath. There's a lot of ways you could go with it. I'm, I'm really wondering what Seth would do or how he sort of sees it based on, you know, what he's shown on tape, even though you really haven't seen him all season because uh, he has two receptions for zero yards. In two games with the, I don't want to play for the New York Giants. <laughs> um, oh, just on a side note, the Chiefs, as we record here, just tweeted, is it Sunday yet? With three pictures. Um, one has Trent McDuffie. One has Isaiah Pacheco and Juju Smith-Schuster. And mm-hmm. the largest one has Kadarius Tony. <laughs> mm-hmm. Man, they, with, they, a big, they, with a big smile on his yeah, face. And that's the social media team. Don't read into that, everyone. Uh, here's what I would say, like with Tony. Hey, hold on, I'm sorry, man. I'm really trying not to cut you off, Seth. I really feel like I'm doing it a lot, and I don't mean to. But real quick, Nate, is there? I'm just legit wondering because I think I know the answer, but you tell me. Do social media posts get out without there being some sort of final view? I'm not saying as Andy yeah. Reid on his phone getting them first, right? But, <laughs> hey, Coach, can you? <laughs> but I'm but I'm saying like if if they didn't want to be hyping up Kadarius Tony right now, he's not gonna he's not gonna be the first picture they tweet, right? Um, it's a it's a Venn diagram, and it's called engagement versus what could be possible on Sunday. Great point, and, and I think Great they point. I think they is, found the overlap. As KG would say, anything is possible. Anything yes, is possible. That's right. Okay, Seth, go on, go on. Sorry. Michelle, oh. you looking good, girl? <laughs> you looking good? My favorite part of that clip, Michelle. 
Michelle! That guy was feeling himself in Anything that moment. Possible. That was like, that was <laughs> just shoot your shot moment. Just. Um. I, I, by the way, any, I, I think I've said this before. I've met Michelle Tafoya. Um, yeah, it's on my mind every time. Uh, I just, I can't. I just, I'm sorry. Yeah, so. it's hard not to. It's, it's hard, hard not, not to, get to a moment like, like that. I don't, like I've had, I've had. I really admire Susie Colbert, but I don't think about Joe Namath every time I talk to her. Can't say the same about Michelle Tafoya. That's funny. I the inverse for me is true. Susie Colbert as a one to one name recognition to Joe Namath for me. Well, but also, I was I was growing up on the internet when the when the, so, the, yeah. the all the songified stuff came out, so I have an auto tune oh, Joe Namath no. in my head. Oh no! I want to kiss you. Yeah, yeah. It's, I can. And and neither. And by the way, like you know, it's it. We're we're having fun with this. Obviously, like neither woman did anything wrong. They are both excellent um, as as sports journalists. Yeah. But not only did they do nothing wrong, I think you could argue that the other person did. Yep. Oh, that's that's kind of why it's comedic. Yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, Kadarius Tony. Yeah! Good segue. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> excuse me. So, he, I, I wrote about him, I reviewed what film there was in this year. Here's the thing, 2022, throw it out. Throw it out. Because for one thing, if Daniel Jones just looks up on a couple of those plays, Kadarius Tony could have had, like, 100 yards on two plays. Like, you know those deep crossers that they love to run with Hardman? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. He was so wide open on one of those that like I didn't I don't think there was a safety over the top there. So that is unless someone runs him down, which has been relatively rare for Tony. He's not Hill, but he's fast. That, that's like a 70 yard touchdown. And Jones just doesn't see him. Just like nah. <laughs> and, stuff. and look, man, man, check Giants it down, fans. baby. Giants I ain't trying to get hit. Got, Oh, they got into my mentions. They were so upset. Yeah, six and one, blah, blah. I think they're six and two now. Yeah. But look, I have no idea how good Daniel Jones has been this year. I do know in the one game I watched in 2022, he missed a wide open Tony at least three times. And that's a lot for one player, especially in a couple, two of them were just, they were potentially huge plays. Anyway, so throw that out. He didn't want to be there. Um, 2021, that entire offense was kind of a disaster. They didn't really have like a uh when you watch a, a multiple chiefs games in a row you will see not just beautifully designed plays but you'll see a plan we always talk about how like uh like pass rushing with a plan right yep. so i'm going to you know i'm going to start off with my bull rush and then when they start setting up for that bull rush i'm going to try to convert it into a rip move and then i'm going to convert that into a spin and then i'm going to convert that into a fake spin and but then i'm going to mix it up with a long arm and then I'm, you know what i mean like you're just constantly do they're going to do this i'm going to do this it's chess um the the giants in 2021 were playing some form of sorry maybe mm. but it wasn't chess oh it was no. just whatever oh, they were just it wasn't hitting, even checkers they were hitting the bubble in the middle and whatever came up that's what they did <laughs> And, and so you just don't know a lot about Tony's ability to run traditional routes. Um, man, he can run a killer whip route. I'll tell you that much. He seems to run excellent slants. But like, they're like, some of their routes, they're like, hey, why don't you go 20 yards downfield and then run a whip route? It's like, so, so, not that we need to like, I'll just mention them. So you, you out here saying Joe Judge, not great, dog. Mm-hmm. Hey, hey. hey. You, Hey, they brought Jason Garrett to mix it up. And yeah. hey, Freddie Kitchens. It wasn't it wasn't the best. And and so here's the thing. They, you, you had a few games where he was targeted quite a bit. He has a lot of traits that I expected to see. And then some that I didn't. And we talked about that a lot, you know, last week. The traits that I, that surprised me and excited me about his long-term potential with the Chiefs were the ability to run through contact. He's bigger and stronger than I thought. Like, he's not he's not a big receiver, but he's not a tiny one either. And he plays stronger than you'd think. He plays with good hands. He's willing to play through contact. Those are things you don't usually see from these kind of jitterbug types. Um, and I think Mahomes even commented on that with some of these, like, quicker receivers. He's bigger than he expected. And that shows up on film. Yep. He just He's a unique mover. And this is where the, the yards after catch ability is really impressive. Um, 
because he can shake tackles a little. You know, he's not a huge guy. Again, he's not A.J. Brown out there, right? Like, this isn't like those two. They don't even look like they're the same species because A.J. Brown doesn't look like he's the same species as anyone. Exactly. He and D.K. Metcalf have their came from the same planet and that's it. Yeah. And like and like A.J. Brown is like the dude like next to D.K. Metcalf. You're like, wow, Mm -hmm. that other dude with D.K. Metcalf is pretty big. Like, (laughs) you know what I mean? So um, with 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 Tony, though, he he is a natural at yards after the catch and not just with speed. Like like Hardman is, is a natural in a lot of ways with the balls in his hand. But it's also because he's so fast that he just wrecks angles. Whereas with Tony, his his natural ability to shake guys and run through arm tackles and to find space, he's he's very very good at that, and that's what makes me think, yeah, he got here Wednesday, right? Like he practiced for the first time Wednesday. There's enough time to do a half dozen plays there, you know. Just hey, okay, everyone else, do what you've always done. We're gonna have Tony do. He's he's gonna be in on this play instead, and. I also would, there's absolutely no way that the first time Kadarius Tony is on the field that the ball goes to him. There's no way. It's going to go to someone else because Andy Reid won't be able to help himself. Well, they're all going to be looking at Kadarius over there. (coughs) I bet you they won't anticipate this draw to Clyde. Yep, (laughs) and that two-yard gain is going to be awesome. You know know that's going to happen. But I what what, I, what 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 if we put them in motion? Get everybody's <laughs> eyes on them. <laughs> I just want to see them do like I want to see them, you know, run jet sweep action. Now let me think. You can't have them both do it at the same time. <laughs> so I just want to see them run Hardman from left to right, and then run 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 Tony from right to left, and just like everyone, just like I don't know. I mean, they run some. You know what? It's been a while since we've seen a jet sweep reverse. Let's see something weird. Get the ball in his hands. That, yeah. that, that, that special yard after catchability. I think with that stuff, the Chiefs have so much of that in their bag already. Line him up in the backfield and run a screen to him. I don't care. Just kind of see what he can do in just kind of a small sample size. Get him used to working with the offense. Get him involved in a couple plays. Get him engaged and excited to be there. I, I wouldn't I'd be surprised if they didn't have a couple plays dialed up. One of the things in the uh, in the film review on mnchiefsfan.substack.com that I found most intriguing, uh, both in how you you pointed to it in one way as raising his ceiling as a receiver and in one way being a part of the reason that he is inconsistent is with I believe the phrase he, that he is a weird mover. Um, that, that his, the, the way he navigates the, the field and his routes and his cuts is all unique to him. Can it you, is. can you give us a little bit more on that? Cause I just, I find that fascinating that, that you will be able to, to spot him without looking at his Jersey number by the way he moves at times. Yeah. He's, he's weird. The best way I would describe it would be, um, he, he, the, the, the time I really, I was trying to figure out why does this look so weird to me? For one thing, he drags his feet more than most players when he makes cuts. He It's mm. kind of like he's dancing rather than cutting. It's pretty cool. Um, but he also can cut from weird angles. So like right now I'm staring at a play over and over in the in the article that you can look it up if you want, um, where he's just running a basic slant, but he starts to turn on his slant, you know, the stem of the route where you start to turn. He starts to turn before he's planted his left foot and he's, He's cutting inside to his right. So normally what you have to do is, you know, one, two, three, and that third step is that left foot, and you plant and go, right? No wasted steps. He is like, he's starting to cut off of his inside foot. That's weird. Like, and he must have the ankle flexibility of, like Charles used to do stuff like that. I am not saying he's Jamal Charles. Everyone knows how I feel about Jamal Charles. But that was one of the things like watching Jamal Charles run, it was different because he could cut from weird angles. Tony, while looking different because he's twitchier than Charles, while not being quite as smooth, it's a similar thing. He can cut from any angle and it really messes with corners because he cuts on a step you're not expecting. And I think fans would be amazed how much of this stuff is repetition and watching for that, you know, that third step or that fourth step. And then when they suddenly cut on three and a half, 
You're like, what the crap? And, yeah. and it just throws everything off. So it's kind of cool to watch. Where can that get him in trouble? Or why, why is he why is he not a complete receiver? Because not, not to try to spoil it, but I, I think your general sure. takeaway is, oh, there's more of a wide receiver in here than, than maybe you were even expecting. There was. There was a lot more of a receiver in terms of like ball skills and stuff, um, body control. There was a lot more than I expected. I, I think the the that that goofy movement, you can become overly reliant on it hmm. rather than trusting your route. And you can start to, when you really trust your, your, your shake, you can start doing it before you get there. That's something Sky Moore is continually working on. He's got a great release and great cuts, but he'll start kind of some of these fakes when he's still three yards away from the corner. And an NFL corner, a good one, will just stand there and let you do it because you're slowing yourself down. So that's where Tony needs to show patience when he's, when he's working his way into these breaks. Don't, you know, close in and then cut. And mm-hmm. those are just things to work on. And because the Giants just did not give him a ton of traditional wide receiver reps, I'm not sure how refined he'll be on it. Do you want to add something there, Nate? You're making your noises. Yeah, no, I, I just, I'm just agreeing with what he's saying because, um, you know, the more that I'm understanding this new, I guess, revamped offense is, you know, precision and timing really matter. Um, especially when Mahomes isn't just, you know, throwing the ball deep, you know, against, you know, single high safeties like he was in 2018. It's a different time, guys. It's such a different time. Like, um, you know, they say it's all cyclical and I get it. I know it's a copycat league. I understand that too. But man, um, when I do catch myself with some free time, going back and forth on like, you know, different matchups or different opponents or just, you know, showing my son clips of like players back in the day. It's like, man, look at, look at all that space. Look at all that space um, where he was just throwing the ball deep. Um, so the time he didn't have to be super, super precise or exact where now you're starting to see with Juju specifically, like they they have a real connection where it's like, yeah, the defender does that, and then I do this, and then you see the defender do the same thing, and now now there's the ball. Um, so for Tony, it's going to take some time. But to Seth's point, if he stays healthy, the skills can translate to work within the framework of the offense. And then also you can make this little teaser for a new fresh piece up in the newsletter and also something else that's been a big topic of conversation this week. Uh, the the running back room in general again just maybe maybe this is a, a little miniature eval from us before we kind of give our, our final thoughts on Chiefs Titans but Nate uh, came up plenty today the questions of hey so Andy Reid said this week that the reason that Pacheco got the start is because they're making a concerted effort to get him more touches they said they wanted yep. to get him more than 10 I don't think that the number was the most important thing as just getting him more work um, so he started, which I think is interesting because I think that implies that situationally Clyde and McKinnon have more just, you know, real estate of their own as the game goes on, sort of how I took that. So to get Pacheco in early as a way to get him into the flow of the game. Yep. But I am I am curious what you have taken away from the way the Chiefs have talked about that since the Niners game where Pacheco did get the start and then didn't get much of the work and then did end up, I believe, leading the team in rushing with some late work. Um, what have you gotten from the path the Chiefs have taken there? And then Seth, as you've written about in the newsletter, I want to know what you think of Pacheco and how he stands out from the rest of this backfield. Uh, I think two things. One, um, this is another way for the rookie to prove in Pacheco, can we go to you in a close, tight game in the fourth quarter? Um, Because I think some of the issue is, well, if Clyde starts and the game stays relatively close, like the Buffalo Bills game, Pacheco has two carries. (laughs) Even though statistically, from an eye test, you know, even the advanced stats to say, there should be, you know, a split running back between Pacheco and Clyde. So they've they've sort of figured the first part out. Um, Now it's about the rookie being productive enough and assignment sound enough to get to those end-of-game situations where maybe it's not all on Clyde or all on McKinnon, and then secondly, I asked Andy Heck a question, and I and you know I don't know where you guys were in the show, uh, Josh, but did you? We were live. I was listening, baby. Yeah. Okay, so this is what I this is what I believe I've gathered by asking Andy Heck a question that Andy Reid won't answer, which is fine, his prerogative. That Eric Bieniemy won't answer because again, 
his choice. But Andy Hag basically said, in self-scouting and rewatching the seven games and having the seven games to sort of, you know, get us to where we are now, Pacheco finding them lanes a little faster than maybe uh, we anticipated or progressing nicely in finding the holes, the, the landmarks, the cutback angles. Like, I asked him very specifically about the blockers and Pacheco gaining chemistry or finding some way of, like, getting into a rhythm. And Andy Heck basically was like, yeah, he we like that. Andy runs really hard. <laughs> I don't know, guys. It sounds like he's finding... It's, it looks like if he just stays patient but can still have the burst to get through, Andy Heck basically made it sound like the Chiefs are starting to believe they're onto something. So, Seth, are they onto something? You know, it's interesting that uh, they would talk about um, showing some development in terms of finding the holes a little bit quicker. Maybe, I don't know, one might say maybe running with a little more patience. Ooh, also being decisive. One Someone that? should write an article. Oh, what's this on the internet? <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> um, so I, I wrote about Pacheco just because it's a question that kind of fascinates me. Um, because after the whole, oh, he's starting against the Niners, and then he saw the fewest snaps of any running back. And I was like, hey, like I really was like, I was offended by that. <laughs> <laughs> like, I really was. Like, just like, hey, c- hey, not cool, man. Like, that was not nice. Like, because, you know, it's like, oh, he's starting. Then they have, like, three straight drives where it's like, I have not seen Pacheco one time. (laughs) Is he in the locker room? Is he hurt? (laughs) Yeah, like, what's going on? So what I did is I kind of went back and I looked at the last few games, kind of starting with Tampa Bay, where he actually saw a fair number of carries, and just kind of was looking at how he was handling situations where there was some sort of lane and how he was handling situations where there wasn't much of a lane and just kind of seeing it compared to, because I wrote about before the season when the Chiefs run game was struggling. He was one of the people I talked about because everyone was like, oh, just put him Pacheco and it'll be fine. And I was like, well, he's kind of leaving yards on the table because he was not necessarily waiting the split second you need for blocks to develop, like combo blocks, following them to the second level. He was a little quick to cut back. He was a little quick. And then... In a in a related, but it sounds like the opposite problem, but it's related. He also wasn't being decisive enough. And so he would make bad decisions too quickly, which is <laughs> it's a tough combination. Um, and so, but that's the problem. Running back is really hard and we take that for granted because running backs can be a little interchangeable at the NFL level, but it's an incredibly hard position to play because in a split second, you've got to see, depending on the call, You've got to know your reads. Okay, the defensive tackle's flashing his helmet into that A gap. So I check the other A gap. Oh, nope, but the, the defensive end is squeezing in from the side. So then I move to the B gap. And you've got to do this in a split second and almost feel it. And what I've seen with Pacheco, and again, it's a small sample size. So I just, I wrote about a couple of plays that show him doing that split second, make the read and go, or even better, press towards the line of scrimmage to give the blocks a moment to set up and then go. And he's starting to do those things rather than just charging ahead. And because of his physical talent, you can start to see some, some gains being made there. So I'm, I'm interested in it and I'd like to see more. I want to see how it, how it all plays out with him getting a larger sample size to work with. So uh, last, last thing on that, where do you feel like it, is headed, Nate. I mean, you you said you think that the Chiefs feel like they're onto something. Seth's ready to see more. Is, is this going to be Pacheco keeps starting and maybe the work continues a little deeper into the game? Is it going to be just is he graduating to a part of the three headed monster campaign? Is what's what's the what's it look like in in the first game of the playoffs? If you had to guess, oh, um, I think you're right on the latter part that they might go to a three three back rotation. Um, and you know, it's fascinating, right? Because you could say like, well, we haven't seen him in a gotta have it drive in the second half. Well, one way to do that is to put him on the field. Mm -hmm. Um, now obviously, as I've told you guys before, Andy Reid and his staff, they like to take their time with rookies. They are not like some teams that are like, Hey, if the rookie's good, he starts and he plays like that. Just uh, that ain't how it work in here. 
Um, so we're reaching that November, getting into Thanksgiving. We're like, okay, now that player's, you know, more fully formed for the context of this season to be utilized. Um, and Pacheco seems to be on that path. The thing that I've always wondered about, and this was discussed way back in training camp at St. Joseph, is look, if Pacheco pops, it both helps the team and complicates kind of everything. Um, it helps the team because, you know, he would be a beyond, you know, he, he's already an above average seventh round running back. So he's already overachieved in that context. Now we're talking about, is he an above average running back? Advanced stats will tell you he already is. But that's in a small sample size. Josh, I know you would not pick up Clyde Edwards' fifth-year option. We know no, this. no, we I this. Yeah, we yeah. know this. I thought we you were going to be meaner, this. but you wouldn't pick him up if he fell down in front of you. Like, I, no, I would. I would. I mean, he's a person, <laughs> but I wouldn't pick up his fifth-year option now. So we know this. So now. This was basically Clyde's contract year. He stayed healthy, and maybe him in a rotation helps him be more durable and, and obviously perhaps more consistent. But he is his availability has not been an issue so far. So outside of the injury, um, what if we talk from a month from now that Pacheco's just better? Because then it becomes a question of, okay, that pull and pull that 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 tug of war that's going on like this year or long term best player right now best player to develop i don't know who is the starting running back for the opening playoff game for the chiefs and that is already super duper intriguing yeah and it's not because of anybody's fault necessarily it's just Pacheco was like a like like what if like what if he pops in prime time? I just I don't know, but he may have an opportunity to pop on prime time on Sunday against a competent defense, you know that doesn't make a ton of mistakes. Um, Andy wants to be loyal to Clyde. Because they took him in the first round. Because Clyde has the skill set that they clearly covet for a running back in a modernized West Coast offense. But what if Isaiah Pacheco is better now than he... What if, what if Isaiah Pacheco is better in January than he is right now? When the advanced stats already tell you that he's outperforming Clyde Edwards a layer. I would believe it. Uh, so I, uh, I will keep that in mind as we all should, as we go into this game on Sunday night and the rest of the year. So let's get some predictions. I'm going to go first because, uh, I just, I, I'm, I look, I don't, I don't love a double digit, uh, betting line in a, in a very actual sense. I'm not saying that this is where I'd run and go throw my savings, but I think the chiefs <laughs> have to win this game by, by multiple scores and maybe by a lot more than multiple. If it's Malik Willis, if this offense can't get going, whatever, um, I, I'm going to just give you like a 27 to 13 type of game where the Chiefs offense doesn't really have to exert itself all that much. I, I would love to see the defense look dominant in this one, though. I think that'd be a nice a nice way to come out of the bye week with the, a defense thumping the Titans offense in primetime. Seth? I'm just texting my very upset wife right now as to why we haven't wrapped yet. <laughs> so I am going to... Sorry, I got thrown. I, I know I was ignoring you guys again, but this time this, it was for This show reason. has some really, I know this is very behind the scenes. This show has some very hectic energy, specifically on our uh, Thursday afternoon slots. And just because football season's hectic. Football yeah. season is he hectic. Um, the Titans on paper, especially looking at their injury report, like if Simmons doesn't play, he low-key was a huge part of how they gave the Chiefs some problems last year. Yep. Because uh, that dude can play. He's a really good pass rusher. Um, and he's also good against the run. Like, he's just a really good ball player. Um, and Tannehill really worked the Chiefs over last year. 
He he was, I mean, he, he hits those downfield shots. He hangs tough in the pocket. He throws a great downfield ball. And when they are gearing up to stop Derrick Henry, you're just playing exactly into what they want you to do. And they hit those shots over the top. So without him, if he doesn't play on paper, even if he does play on paper, the Chiefs should win this game. The Titans just freak me out. So I'm going to say the Chiefs win by a touchdown, but I'm not saying it comfortably. Ben? I am not overlooking the Titans. I also picked the Chiefs to win 31 to 20. Um, because with Ryan Tannehill missing today's practice, it puts his availability for Sunday's game into real doubt. Like he could be a true game time decision. Um, and obviously, you know, we'll keep you updated if you are on Twitter, whether or not this man is going to be active on Sunday. But as Seth said, Jeffrey Simmons is their best defensive player. Ryan Tannehill is a capable and competent starting NFL quarterback. Um, Malik didn't do great in Houston. Asking him to be better in Arrowhead in primetime, coming off a bye week for the Chiefs, I could see why the betting line is why it is right now. 31-20. If you want to read more about uh, the things that happened this week, both Seth and Nate have stories up on Kadarius Tony uh, on The Athletic and uh, the Chief of the North newsletter. And uh, Seth's piece on Isaiah Pacheco is there. I'm sure Nate's going to have some more stuff leading up to Chiefs Titans, of course, as mm-hmm. well. So uh, subscribe to the show if you haven't. Tell a friend. Appreciate everybody who also didn't give us a hard time by not doing a, a Monday post bi week show on Halloween. It was a good time for us to, to catch our breath. And uh, hopefully that was true for all of you listening as well. So without further ado, enjoy another primetime game, Chiefs Titans round whatever, and uh hopefully no one's going to have to send us an email after the fact to remind us of all the things that we opened today's show with because the Titans, yeah, they're it's still spooky season, right? The Titans are kind of spooky. I they're they're a little bit spooky. I mm-hmm. I get it. Uh so with that, Nate, get us out of here. Uh just a quick shout out to Chris Johnson. Uh you know, we I think we all liked it on Twitter. Um, they are in Colorado. Um, but yeah, just a very cute Andy Reid. Uh, just adorable, cute. Like, just, it was just nice. I mean, the, the show is named Times Ours. Um, and I just appreciate Chris um, sending us the photo. I mean, the play call sheet is amazing. Uh, and the starting level jacket uh, with, with, with the Chiefs red hat and the look the wireframe glasses like there are so many people who can recreate themselves as Andy Reid uh, that I always appreciate um, that, that 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 yeah it's just a cool shout out but he you know Chris wrote this is how Colorado Chiefs fans dress up for Halloween it's awesome how many people wanted to take his picture and told him I'm assuming it's not uh, it was the best costume of the night so Look, even Bronco Country understands that it's okay to let Andy Reid ride on, on, on Halloween.